Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Folks, this is Dumpty Dum, this show about the rally from Ducky Dumber centered on Ambridge in the heart of the millions. I'm the young at heart, strapling, oh, stripling, that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the cynic at the, what? Cynic at heart battle axe? Okay, sorry. You're a young at heart, stripling, and I'm a cynic at heart battle axe. That is Lucy Freeman. And the last part <laughs> of our birthday, of my birthday celebration, folks, is you. Now, this is Dumpty Dum. Come Happy birthday Nia. to you. Happy birthday oh. to you. Sorry. It's your birthday today, isn't it? Is that it? it, it yeah. You want, you're not going to finish the whole ditty? No, I thought people would probably could probably fill in the gaps if needed. Mm. You having a nice day? You know what? I'm more having um, a nice weekend, extended weekend, because in terms of the day, it's only 11.28 here in California. So uh, my day is just beginning. Uh, but I've had a call from me mum, me dad, me brother, me older brother... Uh, Myesha, um, I had a long extended call from somebody who, uh, who was very close to me who didn't obviously realise that it was my birthday. Uh, they were just prattling on. I was waiting for the, and by the way, happy birthday. But after 15 <laughs> minutes, uh, <laughs> I was like, Did okay. you then throw a massive hissy fit and go, it's my birthday, shut up. <laughs> well, no, I, I, because I realised they had other things on their mind and whatever, yeah. so I just let them in. Uh, but I did have big birthday drinks, of which Audrianne Corubius and her hubby, Mario, uh, came to actually on Friday, which was all rather lovely. And um, I had um, a throng of people turn up at the Libertine and have drinks with me on Friday. That's all rather lovely. Mm. And then today I have dinner. I had dinner and drinks yesterday uh, with a friend who didn't realise it was my birthday and then went, oh, my God, it's your birthday. This is all on me. And then I'm doing an extended crown watching uh, with my bestest, bestest friend in all of America, Jen, tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. And hopefully uh, she'll bake some mince pies. <laughs> so apart from that, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty dire, loose, and uh, not much is going on. Mm. 
Thank you, thank you. Uh, this week's Dumpty Dum comes all the way from Newcastle, the Newcastle meetup, which happened a few weeks ago. And that was Mia and her pals. Now, I'm looking at my phone here because um, on it, it has the names of the um, massed Dumpty Dummers. And I don't know why I can't find... Oh, there you go. This is this is great podcasting. All right. Hi, Royfield. Hope you are well. This is our Dumpty Dum from the Ambridge-upon-Tyne meetup last night. Seven of us were at the Tyneside bar and... Ca- bar cafe in newcastle uh there was jane nina then two ands a michelle and another one so if you are the other one <laughs> well done you so there were seven of them there. oh no and then it says another text her name's Melaney. she she got she had to ask jane who the other one was and the other one was <laughs> Melaney. so well done everybody in newcastle and that's a good little turnout for newcastle it is you know, seven seven on a wet Foggy Tyne night yeah. uh, turned up to talk about the archers, commune about all things Dumpty Dum, and then to do a Dumpty Dum right at the end. Now, Lucy, somebody else wants to maybe meet up with some random people whose names they can't even remember and uh, <laughs> just like shoot the shit about Ambridge and send us in a Dumpty Dum. How can that be done? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek, alone in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek's just had his Christmas tree delivered. The man asked if he was going to put it up himself, and he said, no, I'm going to put it in the corner next to the telly. <laughs> Well, so somebody actually, I think it was on the Flick chat. Big shout out goes out to the, the posse on, on the old Flick app. Said, um, over Christmas, Royfield, can you do, when you do your special dum-de-dums, can you just do one of Lucy's um, asides about Derek? She just wants a whole <laughs> podcast of those. And I think that's very low-hanging fruit in terms of my time. So I think I'll do that. And so over Christmas, expect loads of special dum-de-dums and that will definitely be one of them. (laughs) So, and, and also just whilst we're here, um, things will be changing at Christmas, Lucy. Will they? Why? Yeah. Am I fired? Again. uh, I'm always fired. Yet yet again. (laughs) Yeah. Normally (laughs) when you're bored. I always have you back every Sunday. Fire Lucy. Exactly. (sighs) Then every Sunday I'm like, oh, I can't do it without her. But, um, so... Over the Christmas period, you will be graced by Andrew Horn and Yokel Bear doing the show. Hey! And then by Angela Barnes and Yokel Bear uh, do, hey! doing another show. So um, the two boys will be doing the week of Christmas. And then that funny week, you know, that week that no one knows really what it is between Christmas the and New Year. The hinterland. I love the hinterland. Exactly. It's my favourite yeah. bit. It's like the, it's the, it's the week where you have turkey sandwiches and yeah. people just like don't move much. From, yeah, from everyone drifts around. No one's entirely sure what day it is. It's really mm-hmm. great. I love it. But, you know, it's the best bit about Christmas. Yeah. When you can I get do. up and all your family, the nice the nice members of your family, not that fucking annoying uncle who, you know, who, like, you know, talks about Brexit all the time, but like your nice family, right, when you can get up and then they appear from another room right next to you because they've, like, stopped over and you go, what day is yeah. it? You know, it's good yeah. times. Good yeah. times. And, and you're allowed terrace look- chocolate orange for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to get out of your pyjamas till three o'clock. I do because I have to walk the dog, but most people don't. 
Very nice. You know what, though, Luce, considering you're a freelancer, isn't that Mm. like an all-day occurrence for you? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, you have to you have to pretend you're going to proper work. Otherwise you just slither into coma. That's not good. I can't remember who I interviewed once and they talked about that they were um a freelancer, worked from home, and they actually put on a shirt and tie. Yeah. And they said, I I, put on proper shoes. I put on proper shoes because if I have slippers on, then I don't feel like I'm at work. I feel like I'm mucking about. You know what? There's something about slippers. And a dressing gown, a toweling dressing gown that I just can't get behind. I really can't, <laughs> Lucy. I just like, I'm like, Ooh. I can't imagine like, you in either of those things at all. Well, well you imagine correctly because, like, I hate the fucking things. I really do. And I've sworn twice, it's my birthday. I don't care. Right. I, I just, I have, there's something deep in my psyche which holds those two things in great relation. Is it because they're not stylish? Because and- you're quite stylish, aren't you? Oh, thank you. There is something crushingly middle class, parochial, and like you're waiting to die about slippers and a terry toweling yeah. uh, dressing gown. And I think it's that. Right. But yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, we're um, talking about can, the Arctic. I can this hear week, music in the background of. Can you? Yeah. There is um, a grass cutter. So one, but is one minute, I'm going to take my headphones off. Oh, one minute. No, it, it is. It's a grass cutter. It's a leaf blower. Sorry, it's a leaf blower. Loose. Oh yeah, that's what it is. It's not music. Oh, uh, okay. One minute. Yeah, and the, and the window's closed, so there's nothing I can do about it. Okay. No, no, it's fine. I just thought something was on. I was thinking whether I, I was playing music through my phone really quietly, and I couldn't hear it. But I um, know there cool. is talking about noises off. Um. There is a, a, a thread on the wonderful Flick app about mystery noises on Dumpty Dum. So yeah. if, you're the, if you are that person God. that started that thread and if you're contributing to that th- thread, it's a leaf blower. That's what it is this week. So that is the mystery <laughs> noise in the back of the podcast this week. So anyway, on this week's episode... You are the mystery noise and I claim my five pounds. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) On this week's episode, we hear views from Drew, Red Agnes, Dusty Substances, Claire, Sarah, Merlin, Claire and Tony. But first, before all the calls, before all that caller in stuff, which is wonderfully all around the world, it's our loose in a week in Ambridge. We began Royfield's birthday week with Josh eating cake in a really unpleasant fashion and using the word moist in conjunction with his grandmother, which I could really have done without as I was eating my lunch at the time. We then spent a happy couple of minutes helping Rex look for his shoes, not once, but twice in one omnibus. Did anyone else get the impression that they had time to fill? Kirsty listed all Philip's Christmas jumpers in full and we appeared to be saying goodbye to Joe <laughs> again. I think every time there's a gap, someone remembers he's died. There's an anecdote about a ferret. And Eddie says, he'll be looking down on us, etc., etc. Even Jimus ended up saying rather lamely, I think what Joe would want is for you all to carry on living your lives, which is the single most fatuous thing he's ever said. Will Grundy, yes, but Jimus? 
all filler, no killer this week, but we struggle on. (laughs) Freddie was properly cross with Josh for getting off with Bella. Ruth intervened for a bit and then remembered that if it wasn't for a pile of loose chippings halfway to Oxford, she'd be Mrs. Sam the Cowman by now. Josh reacted in a calm and mature <laughs> manner by banging doors, telling everyone they were stupid poo heads and immediately left for Southeast Asia. The playground, an area we had all forgotten about since it was only mentioned last when Helen was pushing Henry on the swing and Rob saw her and said he thought, oh, look, there's a woman who appears to be lacking in confidence and identity. Let's see if I can completely destroy her. I may be paraphrasing there. Is being left to rot, <laughs> apparently. I sense a fundraising appeal coming on or an accident in which Kira falls straight through the slide and has to go to A&E <laughs> with Emma and Ed at her side on Christmas Eve. Do, 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 do. To be honest... For those of us in the 70s who survived steel slides that were hotter than the surface of the sun in the summer, rusted witches' hats with the nails half poking out, and no safety bars on swings, <laughs> so that your main aim was to get the thing to go right over the top before snapping and sending you sailing into the playing field, we are struggling to empathise with a poorly maintained playground. Oh, boo-hoo! Not enough bounce left in the special flooring, or is the sheepskin not comfy enough on the seesaw? Anyway... Uh-huh. Back to cow chat. It was all happening at Bridge Farm. Mm. Johnny was improving cow flow, which sounded appalling until I realised it was getting them through the milking parlour more efficiently. Only on the archers can you fix a broken heart by making cows run faster. Tom explained how he was the ideal person to cheer up someone who'd been dumped faster than Princess Andrew off a Christmas card list. Oh, I've stuffed a February relationship I've ever been with in, said Tom airily. Brenda hated me so much she decided the Russian mafia was preferable. Krusty screamed so loudly at me it's made her voice go funny ever since. And I've ended up with a mad woman from Torchwood who points at holes for a living. Stick with me, kid. What can go wrong? In the corner, Pat was trying to work out how to send a Christmas email to everyone on her Christmas card list. Namely, Alwyn, the AI man, and the homeless charity (laughs) she's forgotten she volunteers with. (laughs) So the lucky buggers will receive an emailed picture of two small boys dressed as Christmas puddings and an elderly man with his eyes shut. Ho, ho, ho. The inevitable stew was bubbling away on the stove. They're basically on a liquid diet, I've realised, at Bridge Farm. They live on a nice cup of tea, stew, and soup. It's amazing they've got any teeth. Now Johnny's on an efficiency drive, maybe they can all have their meals via catheter to improve flow. Pat and Helen then went out somewhere, to um, somewhere unspecified, to buy Christmas presents. Obviously, Pat spotted a cuckoo clock and thought, that is the very thing for Natasha, an urban millennial with white carpets and walls covered in art she bought in Ikea. Actually, cuckoo clock <laughs> is quite appropriate for Natasha as it pops in and out at unexpected moments, flaps about, makes a hideous squawking noise and then disappears again. What are you getting for me, mum? asked Helen needily. Oh, I thought you would get you a pack of bin bags, Helen. They're always useful. Kirsty had stolen Helen's phone and had texted Kung Fu Lee about rekindling their disastrous relationship. What Helen didn't know was that Krusty, in a fit of hilarity, had also set up a Tinder profile for Helen and posted pictures of her in her dairy hairnet for a laugh. Helen was sceptical that Kung Fu Lee was actually up for this, but Kirsty reassured her. I saw the way he looked at you as he edged nervously towards the door, said Krusty. She was impressed with the cafe Lee had suggested. I know why he picked it. Plastic cutlery, that's all I'm saying. This time I won't mess it up, said Helen, and promptly messed it up by going a bit awkward when Lee announced he was going out with Leanne. Lee and Leanne. I immediately imagined them in matching clothes like Howard and Hilda from Ever Decreasing Circles. But then I thought, 
maybe Leanne didn't exist and he was just trying to convince Helen he had someone so she'd leave him alone. What's her name? Lee! Anne! On a happier note, (laughs) we learned a little more about Roman the actor. Roman's surname is Trench. Roman Trench. Isn't that something they have on Time Watch? Possibly Roman has had a few artefacts in him too. And Tracy is the very one to tell us about it. My New Year's resolution is to be more Mm. Rex, by the way. I thought you'd like to know. The man is delusional in the best way possible. He's almost zen. He sees everything as positive. I'm so glad I didn't go with Natasha to Newmarket, he said. Well, yes, Rex, it would have been awkward when she got married to someone else and everything. Instead, I get to stay here, living with an octogenarian poet with smelly feet, overshadowed by my brother, no girlfriend, mopping sick out of the back of my Sierra every Saturday morning, chasing round after pigs, sanding down bits of farm machinery like I'm doing Bob a Job Week for a 19-year-old tyrant who thinks he's Ramsay Bolton, and being bossed about by a nepotistic Oxford graduate with no business sense. And yet he's the happiest man alive. I tell you, the only way I'm going to get through this election, the weather and Brexit, is to be more Rex. Ignorance is bliss and determined ignorance is even better. So that's my advice for this week. Turn your rugby shirt collar up, beam graciously as fate vomits on your rider down, and be more Rex. The end. Oh, I love that this week. Triumph, Freeman. An utter triumph. Gave me lots of pause for thought. And I loved Kung Fu Lee. Was that your own invention of you nicked that off, off the Twitters? Well, no, it was my... Uh, I, don't, I don't think... No, well, I think it was my invention. I haven't read it anywhere else. I hate it when you say that because I always think, oh, God, someone at home is going, the cow! She nicked that! She didn't... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people do have the same idea at the same time. I'm sorry. Is, that, 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 is, that is very true. Now, Lucy, this is the, the, the point in the show where uh, sometimes we have to do a little bit of filler because mm. we don't have killer calls. But we have loads of killer calls this week. Cool. So no filler and straight into a little bit of the old Linda sniff. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, top of the shop, it's our young Keith. Hello. Young Keith here. It's been a while since I've uh, caller innered because basically nothing has really been annoying me late in the arches. <laughs> I've been really pottering through episode by episode, not really getting wound up by anything. But this week it's just been hammer blow after hammer blow of irritation. Started off by Helen. I don't understand why Helen feels the need to mention out loud that she's making cheese on a Friday. Something that she clearly does all day, every day um, <laughs> and has no life. Um, but <laughs> the thing that really got me was Pat's stew that was mentioned, not only mentioned in, 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 in actual words, but also people are texting each other about the stew. It's a stew, Pat. No one cares. No one is getting excited about a stew. But less so, I think, are people getting excited about her blue cheese moussaka, which sounds yeah. totally, totally rank. And <laughs> Philip and Kirsty <laughs> absolutely do one as far as I'm concerned. Kirsty's sort of saying about that cafe, oh, I I hear they do a lovely coffee. Who's told her that? Who's mentioned that a cafe does a lovely coffee? I think that it goes for it. And and Philip's bloody Christmas obsession. Just grow up, man, honestly. I I have no time for that man whatsoever. Anyway, hopefully next week will be a more placid week for me because I just can't take the stress. Goodness. You know what? I quite like young Keith. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's an angry man, isn't he? He's an angry young man. Um, mm. 
But that was making me giggle as well, this bloody stew. Pat always behaves when she cooks anything as if it's... You remember that... It wasn't me. It was somebody else on the Twitters. Started... Mm. I think it was if we had any ham. I'm not sure. She's... Um, Pat referred to that cheese all the way through the entire Christmas period. She'd say, we could have that cheese. There's some of that cheese left. Maybe we could... We could um, I'll cheer it up with some of that cheese. And it was just like this cheese developed a bigger role than anybody else in the archers. Um, yes, when she said a blue, a, a Borsetshire blue, but she was putting Helen's cheese in moussaka. I have to say mm. my stomach did a bit of a backflip then. <laughs> I just imagine Pat's food as the sort of mullock they used to eat on The Good Life, you know, when they were uh, eating what appeared to be the remnants of the compost bin. I can't, that's what I think. It's like. So it's been filtered through the reed bed. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> well, uh, young Keith, it was nice to hear from you again. And uh, if you're going to be an old curmudgeon or a young curmudgeon like that, you need to ring him more often. <laughs> it's like, find things to be upset about, sir, because you've done our mate for an, inter- in, an entertaining uh, and diverting caller in a when you decide to do it, sir. Now, uh, young Keith, where do you reckon young Keith was? Uh, Christmas shopping. That's probably why he sounded quite so jaundiced and miserable. Mm. I actually meant we're on planet Earth. Oh, uh, but, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but Surbiton. Should we say Surbiton? Yeah. Penge. Penge. Young Keith, you're from Penge. All right. Now, here's Drew, sometime from Tokyo, who's now somewhere else. Hello, Dumpty Dum Gang. This is Drew calling from Tokyo, although by the time that this podcast is released, I'll be Drew listening from Guelph in Ontario, Canada, where I'm off for three much-needed weeks of R&R. I'm calling this week for two reasons. Uh, The first is to talk about Josh, and I can't figure out how Josh is so confused why people are upset about this situation with Bella. Now, I've been called a bit of a dinosaur and a bit uh, sexist for these views, but I think that another guy's girlfriend, especially if it's one of your friends, is off limits. And I know that, of course, Bella can kiss whoever she wants, and technically she was the one who was cheating, but I also I, I also think that Josh was really in the wrong here, and I hope that he'll get some much-needed clarity during his four weeks off in Thailand. My other reason for calling is to take Lucy to task a little bit. Oh, good. Lucy, last week you said, you know, isn't it funny that everybody's calling Russ a pedo, even though that Lily is technically over the age of consent. Yes, that is true. But on the other hand, Russ is a teacher. Russ was a teacher in charge of a school where teenagers went Mm -hmm. and he slept with one of the students. So Mm. he was in a position of power and authority and knew that she sort of had daddy problems and yeah. who knows what other information that he got from her student file. Uh-huh. And so the whole yeah. thing is really skeevy to me, even yeah. if she is technically over the age of consent. Anyway, that was it for me. This is probably my last call of this year. So Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody out there in Dumpty Dum Land. And uh, we'll talk to you all next year. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, mm. um, no, you're completely right, Drew. Yes. Uh, she, there's a safeguarding thing, isn't there? With a, you know, he's in a position of responsibility, which makes it worse. And I love the word skeevy. I'm going to be using that. That is great. Mm. Yes, you you are quite right to take me to task for this. Good. I love and I completely agree as well about um, Josh and uh, Bella. Um, 
it's because Josh doesn't have any. Um, Bella, Bella has no other relatives or friends in the village other than Johnny, and mm. Josh is related to half the village. And you know, he absolutely knows that when, when you do, it's not like he's living in you know Shoreditch. He's he's living somewhere where every, literally everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows who he's related to. Everybody knows what his sort of romantic situation is and even if he thought he could do that with Bella and well you know she, I'm not the one going out with anybody you know you don't you don't crap on your own doorstep do you and that's absolutely what he did it's yes and mm. and, and then the kind of well I'm not you know I'm not the one who's cheating it's it's kind of yeah it's mm. uh that is also skeevy isn't it yes well it's not even just is a mate they're related mm. You know, yeah. it's like, I know they're not exactly the closest of relation, not, they're not brothers, but like, come on now. They are cousins of, of some level once removed, maybe, but they are cousins. They're, they're, they're family, and it's just all mm. very odd. However, though, I'm always struck by these kind of modern ethical, not, not so modern, but no, they are modern. Because like back in the day, when everybody, when everybody lived in a village... Um, you did recycle partners. People did. One brother would die, and then like his ex-wife yes, had yeah, to go. You know, yeah, so you know. Yeah, so th- this yeah. is a modern thing. Yeah. In terms of our kind of like, you know, we feel queasy about it. But I always wonder, particularly with this modern ethical conundrum, how long it has to be before a relationship is over with a with a friend before a you know somebody else in like a year. But surely part of the equation is how long they were together anyway, Lucy. You can't just say a year full stop. I can. Because they were together for 15 years. <laughs> I think, I think. yes, no, I think if you get through a Christmas and a birthday, mm. the person's a Christmas and, and a birthday and a new year and all that, then, then, then you're fine. Unless you've been cock-blocked, in which case, no. <laughs> but if you're an elderly <laughs> widower in a village, it's unlikely that anyone's going to cock-block you. <laughs> be honest (laughs) (laughs) i must admit i do find josh somewhat fascinating and Mm. the whole i'm gonna go off to thailand he's an interesting character because he's not like all the rest yeah he doesn't claim to be happy clappy join in i'm part of the village he is just i want to make some bread i want to make some cash that's what I'm all about. Anybody that gets in my way of that is an irritant. That's he's what very I like do. Kenton, actually. I think. Really? Mm, no, but Kenton, Kenton kind of has that social sub- warmth, though, doesn't he? So, so Kenton to me, subverts mm. the the like Josh was saying. Well, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without us drinking some revolting rum punch, freezing mm. our socks off, as he put it. When in reality, he'd say bollocks off on the edge of the green, um, watching Ambridge light up. And it's the first time anyone has ever been <clears throat> anarchic about that particular ritual. It's like saying stir up Sunday. Oh, just make the bloody pudding. Stop, <laughs> stop turning it into a thing. Mm. You know, nobody, it's kind of, that's one of the sacred cows of Ambridge, the lighting up Ambridge thing, stir up Sunday, the flower and produce. Show, and it's Josh is kind of the, he's almost an outsider, considering he's from the most inside of all inside families on, in Ambridge. Mm. He is an outsider in that he just says, well, it's rubbish, isn't it? The punch is horrible. Mm. It's, we and, expect and, it to be horrible, and it is. 
and, and, and Ruth kind scene, of giggled rather sheepishly. And that's because she's an outsider yeah. too. Oh, you can have a word here, right? No, I'm Shush. just going to keep right. doing that forever now. <laughs> <laughs> and the other Aren't thing, I, is, <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop now. <laughs> and the other thing was that scene, I suppose, was put there to compare and contrast the fact that he isn't sentimental in the way that you actually mm. said, because mm. at least on the face of it, him and his mother were connecting. They were having a moment. Yeah. You know, remember there's the whole thing about him being um, a godfather and the fact that he wasn't asked to be a godfather yeah. for, for the little and, and stuff. And you had actually saw an insight into the fact that he was like, well, I thought I would have been. And it mm. does mean something to me because he just doesn't connect with his family and the, and yeah. the other uh, villagers at all in that way. You know, he's not part of the cricket yeah. team. He's not part of anything. Josh, you're just part of Josh, full stop. So viewed that way, Drew, I don't think it's so much of a surprise that you had a bit of a tongue wrestle with, with Johnny's his, uh, girlfriend. And then he's somewhat surprised when people are like, boy, that's kind of off because he yeah. doesn't really have that social antenna not in that way. So um, anyway. I do uh, think that's I... how he bonds with his mum, though. Really? I think, it, yeah, I think he... Because sometimes she is overwhelmed with all this. Um, uh, she's overwhelmed with this kind of stifling village family, blah, 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 blah stuff, which she is, uh, you know, she is of, she is in Ambridge, but she is not of Ambridge. And um, I think that's how they have a special connection. Um, and I think that's why David slightly has a problem with Josh. Uh, more so than than the others, she does have a connection with him because he is more like her and less like uh, David and the rest of the family, and that and he has that level of sort of isolation that that she has and Josh has. Hmm. An astute observation, well done again, Freeman. Uh, can I just quickly say, Drew, that I think Guelph is a lovely, lovely, lovely neck of the woods in Ontario. It's a small little town, loose. It's goodness. So my kids live in Burlington and uh, Guelph is, I'm gonna, oh, is it? It's not an hour up the road. I don't know. I'm going to say 30 minutes up the road, but it's a small little town. It's very beautiful. It's a university town and it's utterly gorgeous. Oh. Nice little shops and uh yeah, it's kind of like in in the heart of kind of like farming country um, up there in southern Ontario. But it's just north of all the Golden Horseshoe where Toronto joins Hamilton. It's a so funny it's word, lovely. isn't it? Guelph. Yeah, it sounds like somebody swallowing something really hot. Well, yeah, you know what? It is. And I wonder what language also... that comes from. Well, here's the thing, right? Because... In the days of the Holy Roman Empire, when the Italian city-states were proclaiming their independence and there were two factions, the Guelph and the Gilbertines, and someone's going to pull me up on my pronunciation of this, who were the emperor's faction. So we're talking about the days of Frederick Barbarossa and the city-states that wanted uh, their greater independence. And I can't remember who the Guelphs were for and the Gilbertines, where they were for or anti the Holy Roman Empire. But it's this pull and play between the power of the German emperor and the Pope. And so it's it could be some corruption between Italian and German, but that's kind of where historically, where the, the Guelph and the 
Gilbertines kind of kind of come from. And there's this road from Burlington, which is Guelph Line, which takes all the way from where my kids live, all the way up to up to Guelph. And I remember saying this to my um to my father in law, the kids' grand grandparents, and he was just like, Whatever. But I thought I, I thought it was like amazing. But anyway, I'm wittering <laughs> on and I'm forgetting what podcast I'm on. <laughs> so Do you know um, what? That was your birthday present. Oh. To go wittering on about the Guelph line and make herself happy talking about maps and Romans without me interrupting or moaning. So happy birthday. Oh, thank you, Lucy. <laughs> you spoiled me, you do. <laughs> right, that's true. No, I patronise you, darling. It's different. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm not smart enough to, no- to notice the difference. Um, Lucy. <laughs> mm. Tupping. What? Tupping. Yes. And Agnes is going to talk about tupping. Here she Who is she? Ooh. Yeah. Hello there, Angus, Haggis, Basil and the humans. It's uh, Red Agnes from up north here. Just taking a break from trying to wrap up the Christmas presents. You know, cow scratching post, handmade cuckoo clock, that kind of thing. <laughs> I decided not to go the full um, sweary this week, despite my admiration of Catherine Rowan-Jones. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. God's sake, Helen, I couldn't give a flying Fwengarola what she's up to. I just wish she'd go away. I'd quite like it if Titchinob would come back and drown her in some um, Montbelliard slurry. Talking of slurry, I was just wondering if, is it Mike Hatton does, does the, um, does the stats? Would he put scraping the yard in his statistics? Cause everybody seems to scrape the yard. It worries me about the Brookfield weddings. I've got visions of everybody coming up in a meringue dress and having a green rim round the bottom just to show off to their uh, friends. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Mm. Was there any talk of topping there? There no. wasn't, was there? No, no it was Sarah from that, Saudi. But... Sorry, sorry. There is one of our... Because when I audio balanced and kind of like um, edited the calls, um, somebody's talking about topping, but it obviously wasn't our Red Agnes um, who is... Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, Red Agnes. I introduced you under false pretenses. You talked about other stuff instead. That's a good um, idea. Mike, can you add in scraping the yard into the character count? And we'll you know see how many times that, that gets mentioned. You what? He's completely going to do that now. Yeah, I know. Good. All right. This might be a show about the English countryside, folks. Well, it's set in the English countryside, but it's global in its reach. We've had Drew, who was in Tokyo, talking about going home uh, to Canada. We've had young Keith from Penge, or was it Surbiton? We had Red Agnes up north, and now we have Sarah from Saudi. Hello, Roy Field and Lucy. It's Sarah from Saudi here. I've called in before a couple of times, and the reason I'm calling in today is because I feel so frustrated by this week's archers. I loved last week's. I laughed a lot, and it was just joyous. But this week's, oh been tortuous and i think it's because people just aren't behaving like grown-ups particularly the rewilding trio i think part of the problem with that whole storyline is that i still don't really understand how rewilding can be profitable it's a lovely idea yeah but how does it actually make money in fact when fever was going to make the presentation to be out i did think oh that's a good idea it'll be an opportunity for the script writers to explain to us what it's about but that didn't happen and the the three of them were bad enough before the presentation but afterwards <laughs> with phoebe dropping off and how rude and childish she was to brian and then not telling the others actually i think it's phoebe i'm most annoyed with 
Maybe we're just mm. seeing that part of her, which is Kate's daughter. And the other thing I found frustrating was Jim and the ghost stories. It's a great idea, and Jim will be fantastic. But, oh, my God, the way Lizzie and <laughs> Bass and Linda and even lovely Robert are interfering. Jim, mm. walk away. Uh, two minutes, um, I nearly up. I want to say one other thing. In fact, I want to make a prediction, which is that by Christmas, despite what happened this week, Helen will get together with Lee. And then hopefully we won't hear anything more from her ever again. Although I am quite <laughs> interested in how Henry is turning out. That boy needs professional help. Yep. Many thanks for all you do. And I hope you and all the lovely Dumpty Dum community have a wonderful Christmas. Bye. Bye. Toodle pip. Royce, she didn't mention tupping either. No, she it, didn't mention we will get to the tupping. Don't, don't, okay, don't I think worry. we dreamt the tupping. Um, <laughs> no one understands rewilding. No one, not even Cosmo, has weighed in on the rewilding and how the blooming neck you're supposed to make any money out of it. It makes no sense. Um, yes. Uh, n- n- normally on the Twitters, there's always somebody who's hopping up and down, shouting with their arm in the air at the front of the class, me, 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 me. And, you know, uh, leaps on every hashtag and, and, and wants to talk about it. But everyone's been incredibly quiet because nobody understands how this works. Um, they are the rewilding three stooges are ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. They have been told by where the I know she went to Oxford and I know it gives you a kind of a slightly out of control sense of your own ability. But flaming Nora, why she is not taking advice from Brian, who is risking his own, you know, status by he- trying to help her out. And she's like, no, 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 I'm, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to trick me. He's not trying to trick you, you overprivileged little sod. He's actually trying to help. Oh, for God's sake. Um, and they don't deserve the money because they are all morons, all of them. Rex is just like the music in the roundabout plays in his head every time he That's tries harsh. to open his mouth. It's harsh, not harsh. It's harsh. And it's harsh. Pip, who's just Rex isn't using a moron. it. is not complicated, but he's not a moron. It's not the same thing. I hear the music from the Magic Roundabout every time I think about Rex. That's what happens. <laughs> to me, he's a moron. And Pip, who is just using this rewilding thing as some sort of weird method to sort out the twisted dynamics of her own family. Um, and... Phoebe, who's just got so puffed up with her own importance, she can't, you know, she can't, she's, she just has got completely carried away. She's not paying attention and she Luce, needs can I, can, to listen uh, look, to some flipping bu- guidance. It's, 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 it's my birthday, so I'm going to cut I know, it. I you know. know. You know, one of the problems with this whole storyline is they've one of got, them? Th- yeah, one of them, right? One of it's the problems problem. of the storyline. There's line. nothing good about it. One of the problems of this storyline is they've fundamentally got three characters together who aren't really fully formed and of which we as the listeners don't really care about. Mm. If you had the other fair brother as being one of the partners, this would be a much more interesting and uh, in terms of just the contrasting views of how you go about business, um, talking to Justin, et cetera, et cetera, presenting if you had the other fair brother. You've got three mm. characters who are actually, 
in terms of social dynamism and the vocal delivery and everything, all actually very similar. And, and also, mm. we're still getting to know Phoebe. We're still getting to know this new Pip as a mother. And we don't really know Rex other than he's just a nice guy and a bit of a taxi taxi driver and, I... and part-time pig man. So there is, there is, between the three of them, there is nothing really driving this in terms of when they have their meetings. It's a, sn- it's a snore fest, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's fundamentally the problem. We have the wrong characters as, as you know, Ooh, in partner together. So. No, we do. We do. From a dramatic No, I agree with that, but I don't, think, I don't think that's the fundamental problem. The no, fundamental no, no. I said, problem I said one is... of them loose. I never said okay. fundamental. The whole thing's bollocks and stupid. Right, but none of us understand when it's Helen and her cheese. We don't mm. need to know anything to understand if Helen sells lot of cheese equals good thing. Helen sells no <laughs> cheese equals bad thing. That's it. <laughs> That's all we need to know, and we get that. You know. Mm. So she says, "Oh, although she seems to have completely forgotten about this." There is another dynamic man. with the cheese, though. Remember, because remember, she didn't have good milk, so the cheese yeah. can well, just be but like bland. Yeah, but so, so we understood but that we as well. It. Okay, yeah, yeah. bad milk make, makes bad cheese. Also, get that. Yes, mm. this is just like I'm going to make some see-through unicorns, and we all go, "Okay, how are you going to do that?" Then, no idea. Well, whatever. Carry on then, because we just well, don't know. I it, so okay. we don't. We can't tell whether it's a good thing or a bad. When they say, "Oh, so many acres," people were going, "Sorry, how much is an acre? Is that a lot?" Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, no one knows enough to even know. Wait a minute, if it's, you and the, the countryside, you don't know what an acre is. No, I'm not saying that. People were going on Twitter, particularly mm. Americans, saying how big is an acre? How how it, how much how much land are they supposed to have? Why is it that arbitrary amount? And so uh, Brookfield gave them twelve acres. So is that good or bad? How much would that actually be? Nobody can visualize it. Nobody can see it. You know, all the other ventures, even the stupid Bridge Fresh app, which I don't believe is doing well at all. Um, uh, you know, we can kind of get that. But this, it's just fairy tale. It's absolute shite. Um, in preparation for, you know, broadside from you about this storyline, um, a couple of weeks ago, whilst I couldn't sleep, I was probably jet lagged, um, I did look at how to make money out of rewilding. And there's some story of some farm somewhere. And it's ecotourism. It is also allowing other farmers to have their 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 livestock graze on the land, but not too much and whatever. Um, and there was something else which I've forgotten. And butterflies. That's it. Lots of butterflies seem to to look like the... Well, that makes it a whole lot clearer. (laughs) And also, can I, while I'm mid-broadside, can I do another one? uh, What exactly does Rex bring to the rewilding party? Well, he was, wasn't it kind of his idea along with with, with Phoebe? No, he's a taxi driver. Part-time pig man. Yeah, he's a taxi driver. He is a livestock. He's a stockman who is learning on the animals because he had no experience before he came okay. to the village at all. What he brings to this is the historic link between the name Fairbrother and owning land in Ambridge. That's what he brings to it. Yes. So in real life, bugger all. That's what you're saying. Well, he is the chocolate teapot of the enterprise. There is absolutely no point him, but he's useless. You know what? 
Have you seen The Social Network? That was all about the dude who basically said, I came up with this idea to do Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark Zuckerberg then ran away with it and said, I had nothing to do with it, but there wouldn't have been a Facebook mm. without me, right? Yeah. Rex can equally say this about the rewilding. He came up with the idea with Phoebe and then uh, Pip just like muscled in at the end. So he's key with the formation of it as an idea, as a thing. He has intellectual capital sewn up into it, if not actual skills. And what's Phoebe got? You know, you could say the same thing about Phoebe then. The yeah, but without one. Phoebe, they wouldn't have the money because it's the, mo- the money that's coming from her grandmother. The well, advantage she's pitching to her aunt's boyfriend. Her uncle, her granddad is it's her great grandmother her granddad is is um giving her information on his business rival who is the boyfriend of her aunt i mean they would be really buggered without phoebe mm. well what a minicab driver is doing sitting there i have no idea but anyway <laughs> well it is all bonkers but you make money out of caterpillars that's when i read the article Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just call it the caterpillar shop? I'm not going to call it rewilding <laughs> anymore. I'm going to call it a caterpillar shop. That makes it much more so. Yeah, much more sense. Caterpillar. I'm writing there that down. Go. Caterpillar there you go. shop. Sari, yeah. Sari, from Saudi. Thank you for your call. As always, <laughs> thank um, you, Sarah. You've, you've um, enlivened things here between Lucy and ourselves, and we all know you make money out of rewilding because of caterpillars. Now, here is an advert. Hi, Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. I'm not going to say anything about this week's archers, except that I think late Lee's had a lucky escape. Basically, I'm ringing for a shameless plug. I have now made live a survey about online archers fan groups, which will be a chance to participate in primary research, which will uh, be used for my 2020 academic archers presentation about uh, the the ways and habits of uh, online archers fan spaces. So uh, I will be posting that link all over the place in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, on the Twitters, all over the place. So uh, please do take the opportunity to participate in that and help me with the research. Uh, I know that we have a great Dumpty Dum family who will get behind it. So thank you very much. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye. How do you feel about people just like hijacking our platform for their own nefarious ends, Lucy? Fine by um, me, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Claire, I, meant, I did see it earlier and I meant to do it and I forgot. But I will do it and I will retweet it. And I've just made another note. Under, under where it says Caterpillar Shop, I've now written Claire Survey. <laughs> there we go. Smashing. And, and best luck with your survey. And uh, you know what? She's too conscientious and too clever that woman and she does all this stuff in between running uh, the city of Luton or something or another uh, so how she <laughs> finds the time to uh, to do all this other extracurricular stuff heaven only knows but well done to you Claire from Clapham love you lots your bunting is awesome now here is Merlin hi Dumpty Dum this is Merlin I'm a first time caller I'm based well I live in New Jersey but obviously from Blackmark come from the already. UK and the Archers is one of my touch points with remaining feeling British. You ask what generation is, so my first real thoughts and memories of the Archers are Nigel in the gorilla suit. I was listening before ah. that, but that would be the first time I really 
think of me being an archer's addict. But then since then, it's what? been something I've done every day. Another website. Even if I'm out walking the dog or whatever, wherever I am, I travel the world with my work. I work with governments trying to control diseases that affect humans and animals. So I travel around the world, but I still listen avidly to the, the archers every day. You mentioned last week the Kaminsky Method. If you like the Kaminsky Method, I've got to tell people that Grace and Frankie is what you really need to watch because that oh. that's what the Kaminsky Method is trying to follow. And then with regards to the Archers, I just listened to tonight's episode and the Helen and Lee debacle. Helen is one of the characters I struggle with the most. She's just frustrating and annoying. She brings every disaster upon herself and she's so self-centered and sorry for herself it just drives me up the wall so that's why i was driven to to call you tonight <laughs> so lovely to be a first-time caller and i look forward to listening further um all right i'm gonna launch in first loose what have you got to do to blackball a listener uh, have we ever done this before first do we have a procedure well, I wouldn't blackball someone called Merlin for a start. <laughs> That's a really bad idea. <laughs> oh, you are good. Well, he, called, he said he was a first-time caller. How long has he yeah. been listening to this podcast? Caller in a row. Do you know yourself properly, sir, when you get on the airwaves? And then he says, I'm an archer's addict. That, that's not us. That's another website. That's a that's a. But he's probably just being. It's 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 a. No no no. We have standards here. We have protocols. You're a caller in or a sir. Oh, you're so picky. Well, you know what? We have standards, Lucy. And if we don't, if people don't adhere to them, they're just going to slide. And then what's going to happen next? We'll be talking about EastEnders. It'll be anarchy. Yeah, Yeah. we'll be talking about EastEnders. Oh, Emmerdale, heaven forbid. You know, oh, that's farming. Fuck off. We all, we all love him. Did she just tell me to fuck off? Listen, it's I know it's your birthday. birthday. <laughs> but don't get carried away. What, what, what programme did he say was based, that the Kaminsky Method was based on? Grace and Frankie. And that is true. Oh, Grace and Frankie. And what, so Grace and Frankie's Jane Fonda and, oh goodness, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah, the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. And he's brilliant. And the, the, the premise is... Um, Grace and Frankie are the two women who have been cast aside by their husbands. The husbands have been business partners. I think they're accountants for like 40 years. And they turn around to them one day and say that they're in love with each other, the two husbands. Yeah. So the yeah. women are like, what? And yeah. uh, the other woman... Lily the other Tomlin actor, and Jane Fonda. There you go. And Lily yeah. Tomlin plays this kind of quite hippy-dippy uh, woman who's slightly away with the fairies. And, and Jane Fonda is kind of on it and, and business-wise and stuff. And they have, you know, it's, they're like the odd couple. But they get on and they end up living together and negotiating the new family relationships, considering that their their husbands of 40-odd years are now lovers and in a committed relationship. And it's it's utterly lovely. And what Netflix do, because, you know, Netflix is very data-driven, yeah. So they had they created that show and realised that it was getting that it's I think it's about three or four seasons, maybe four or five. There's been quite a few um, that it was pulling in older listeners. So the Kaminsky method is the male analogue of that. So Merlin ah. is completely utterly right. 
Grace and Frankie came first, they realised that, you know, it's a great way of getting um, silver surfers, so to speak, to sign up for Netflix. Uh-huh. And then they, then they watch all the documentaries and the other stuff and the old classic yeah. films. And then yeah. the Kaminsky Method is just the male analogue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank mm. you. And thank you, Merlin. Well, but Merlin, pull your socks up. And also, this is a warning to other potential caller in. If you're going to call in, give yourself your proper title. You're a caller in You're all part of this wonderful family. And and, and, that, and this is just what we do. Anybody else messes up like that again, you'll be out on your ear. Right? It's my birthday. I'll do whatever I want to. Right. Anyway, now it's Claire from Hawaii. We're going global again, Lucy. We're in the Pacific. Let's go. Aloha, Lucy Ann Royfield and the Dumpty Dum Ohana around the world. It's Claire from Hawaii. It's been a while since I called in, but I was just so amused by Lucy and Harriet's episode last week. I just cannot decide if they are loose women or hinge and bracket. But anyway, they were so funny and absolutely loved them. Just a couple of things. I'm surprised that Harriet hadn't heard of tupping before. Um, The first time I came across it was studying Othello, um, Shakespeare's Othello, when Iago says an old black ram is tupping your white you. And in classic A-level style, we sort of went in and broke the text down bit by bit and that's how I learned about tupping so that's my first wee bit my other bit is about lovely Leonard played by Paul Copley I know that Lucy had mentioned the hilarious Tom Rigglesworth where he plays his dad but Mm. um, looking up Mr Paul Copley who plays Leonard I first remember seeing him as Mr Mason who was Daisy's father-in-law in Downton Abbey and just looking through his um, resume he was also in a bridge too far and last tango in halifax so interesting trivia facts for the day but yeah i'm totally team team leonard absolutely love him he's just got a gorgeous voice and actually looking at his photo as well and his seeing him on the tv his face just matches his voice he's just gorgeous and cuddly and lovely quickly before i go i just want to ask anybody If anybody lives in New Zealand, we're going to be moving there shortly to Nelson. So if there are any dumpty dummers out there, it'd be great to meet you. I've got to go. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I think Harriet and I, as a combination of loose women and hinge and bracket, we could be loose hinges. I think that's what we'll do. (laughs) Loose hinges. Um, uh, He was, Paul Copley was also on King Street Junior, uh, which is a Radio 4 Extra uh, series that they replay endlessly about a um, primary school a group of teachers in a primary school. But I agree. He looks exactly like he sounds. Mm. He's got that kind of mild mannered, twinkly beamingness. Just nice. Yeah. Uh, me too. I, there, there's something just, I think I, I might've talked about this um, a thousand years ago in a very, very, very old episode of, uh, of Dum Dee Dum. But the word nice, I like the word nice. And it's used as a pejorative nowadays. If you say mm. something's nice, it means you're slagging it off. And, mm. and I just think nice is a lovely, nice word. And Leonard is nice. He, yes, is, he is nice. And it's nothing yep. other than a positive. He's not yep. too sickly sweet. He plays it just about right. He's kind of um, 
a Robert Snell in terms of he just gets the bat, it comes, everything down, nothing gets too fraught. You know, he's just there, Jill, mm. calm down, but in a very nice, not a patronizing way. Yeah. Whatever. He has Jill in hand. He's aware of the complexities of potentially what he's walked into, et cetera, et cetera. I just love Leonard. The man's nice. The actor's awesome. He's got a lovely voice. I'm all about the Leonard. You know this... Sorry, I'm going to change the... I was just thinking when you said about... um, um, Sorry, Linda and Robert. Mm. When... They would when when she's talking when because Robert is now trying to coerce Linda into directing. She's sort of using him as her puppet, so she's going to direct Jimus, um, even though without formally directing him. Blah blah blah, because mm. she's anxious that she doesn't look like she's being um, inconsistent. Mm. Why the hell does Jimus need direction at all? He is an orator. That was his job yeah. uh, as a lecturer. He's um, clearly yeah. extremely good at it already. He yeah. knows his stuff. Why the hell does he need I couldn't agree with you more. Anybody. And, you know, he's an orator in the old classic Roman sense. You know, you just, yes. basically he can just stand there and just deliver. Yeah, yak on. And, and also people he doesn't like. Why are they forcing him to do things? The only person he would let direct him would be Jazza, which would be hilarious, and they ought to do that. <laughs> but instead, they've got Robert, who he's been in doing battle with for the last three years over flipping bird watching, um, as proxy for Linda, who he can't stand, and Russ, who nobody likes. You know, it's just ridiculous, and it doesn't well, make sense Liz- Liz- again. Lizzie likes, Lizzie likes Russ. Yeah, all right. I, I think yeah, that's the the, I think and also she sees him as men's. some. Well, Nigel, Iftikhar. Mm. Well, we never got to know him, did we? But he seemed nice. He did seem nice. There you nice, go. nice, nice. Well, and I must admit, I'm the only person who's ever listened to the Archers that didn't have any time for Nigel. I just thought Billy Bunter. I just could mm. couldn't abide the whole character of Nigel. But uh, anyway, um, moving swiftly on, or shall we move swiftly on? Shall we? Do we have yeah, to? Yeah, why not? Can we? Can we not stick here and talk about stuff? No. All right. All right then. Um, so we've done Claire. We've done two Claires. We've done a Sarah. We've done a Red Agnes. We've done Drew. I think we've got a Tony. We do. We have a Tony who um, is full of cocks. Here you go. Hello there. It's Tony who occasionally calls in. Um, really what I'm phoning in at the moment to say is how much I'm enjoying the archers bumbling along with no particular place to go and it's quite nice. Um, <laughs> it's just like a stream of consciousness. So there's nothing much to say about that or any plot prediction. But what I would like to say is that the other week I heard that um, collecting flowers, collecting leaves from hedgerows by the Grundy boys was correct in all but magnolias. They were collecting magnolia leaves, and I was told by two people on your programme that <clears throat> that can't be done because they wouldn't fit in the reef. Well, there is a grandiflora magnolia, yes. which is an evergreen, and it flowers in the summer, and it's stunning, it's beautiful. And it has wonderful leaves, a bit like laurel, only much darker green and much glossier. 
and the reverse side is a russet brown. They're very beautiful and totally suitable for the reeves and things. My question is, that's not the plant to grow in a hedgerow. That's a no. plant to grow in quite a nice garden. In fact, a garden yes. where someone spends a bit of money on it. So I'm afraid somebody's going to be losing, lost a bow of their <laughs> shrub. There could be ramifications later on. Anyway, good luck to the boys. Bye for now. Bye. Right, Luce. Yes, uh, I think me, know... me and Catherine. Mm, yeah, you, well, go. You, you go first because none Catherine... of that made any sense to me. Okay, me and Catherine Rowan-Jones both said, you can't have Magnolia. And then someone said, yes, you can, Magnolia Grandiflora, and posted a picture of it. And we both went, oh, okay then. <laughs> so yes, Tony. And again, yes, I completely agree. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be in a hedgerow at all. Um, so that's rubbish. And presumably they did go rummaging in someone's bush, which uh, for Will can't have happened for a while. So there we go. Yes, maybe you enjoyed it. Who knows? <laughs> Oh, well done. Huh. Uh, and, and well done, Mr. Cox. Uh, right, so, uh, Lucy, uh, it would come mm. to that point in the show where uh, we need to kind of kind of pay some bills uh, by maybe running an ad or two. Uh, but uh, do we have any um, emails? Um, <clears throat> that is a good question and well asked, Royfield. Just oh. hold the line one moment, call right. Whilst you're doing that, uh, I'm just going to say, Maureen Freiberger, um, if I could, if you were in front of me right now, I'd give you a full-on kiss on the lips uh, and give you a special hug because you know what she did, Luce? She sent us a, a, a rather um, un- large but unsolicited donation. And I think oh. what, what she's done is she's gone, you know what? I think it's Christmas time. I'm just going to donate to Royfield and Lucy. So on Friday, I was like, how much? But but thank you for that, Maureen. <laughs> thank and, you very um, much. Yeah, so thank you. Uh, it means that uh, my children won't just have lumps of coal this Christmas uh, nope. for their Christmas presents. And yeah. I won't have turkey feet and chips again. So thank you. <laughs> um, so thank you I for found... that donation, Maureen. Um, it says here there's a new message, one in Mailbox Main. Is that, have we done that? Um, yes, I think that was young Keith, I think. Ah, okay. Jolly good. I thought it might be. Um, right. Uh, this is from Sally, mm-hmm. who is our agricultural correspondent. Uh, she says, I'm a f- farm secretary traveling around farms, doing all the farm office paperwork for many farms, something they have not got in the arches. I'm a Janet Fisher, as I started listening in 1996. Rewilding. Ooh, the old rev. Uh, yes. I'm not sure on the geography, but why haven't they asked Elizabeth at Lower Loxley for any land? I would have thought that would be an obvious place. Phoebe, Rex and Pip are all friendly with Freddie and Lily, and Lower Loxley as a traditional estate would be more likely to have suitable land for rewilding. On a financial note, I can't see how they can make it pay, as the income will be minimal, and I understand the trust money can't be used for wages. How are the team going to earn a living? Also, where is Phoebe getting her money from? She left uni in the summer and still hasn't got a job and doesn't even seem to be looking. Sally. Well, yes. I was hoping against hope then that somebody was going to explain rewilding to me. But as you've just said as well, (laughs) I have no idea how this is working. That's made me reassured that it's not me being thick. It's just impossible. So good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, your job sounds really interesting. 
it's a, it's a, I can, I can see why, why farms would, uh, would need that. Uh, and I never knew, but I never knew it was a job before. It's very interesting. Hmm. And you would be a great character to have if there's somebody doing your job would be a great character to have in Ambridge because you could hop around from farm to farm to farm to farm. We'd sort of find out all the, you know, all the details as you went around. Maybe they should write you in. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think, though, Luce, that we're getting slightly too hung up about making a profit and isn't part of rewilding that we we see the land less as a resource to rape and to make a profit out of, and but something to be sustainable. Well, if it was a hobby, yes. If it wasn't, if it didn't involve half a million quid, the fact that it involves half a million quid, Peggy Woolley is an astute businesswoman. Justin Elliott mm. is an astute, if brutal, businessman. Yeah, man. but she's also Nobody looking at the legacy. Nobody will be touching this with a barge loose, pole. Loose, loose, loose. Peggy Woolley is not in her 20s, 30s, 40s, right, where she's starting out in business. She's actually mm. trying to bequeath a legacy, okay? And it's important that we understand that, not that the actor was 100, that's the whole reason for this storyline, but like the, the, the character is 90 odd and she's thinking about, you know, the next generation. So mm. whilst I do not understand really how this can be really sustainable other than ecotourism to see wild flowers that normally don't, uh, aren't, you know. Had to be it, a shop. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. That's literally what the article said. He said they just, that two years, three years in, these there were butterflies everywhere and there's caterpillars everywhere and you know and these were some species that hadn't been spotted in the area for god knows how long but anyway but may i think for a start off if peggy's going to put up half a million quid for for an enterprise not that she wants to burn the money but she's prepared for it to be a loss she is Right. She's prepared for it to go south, so to speak. And this is all about Peggy's legacy. And she picked something so left field. And I'm trying to put the best spin on this that I can. Right. And she's and she's picked something very left field, which proves to you that she's thinking about her legacy. This isn't about pounds, shillings and pence per se. This is about the countryside and custodianship. And and making sure that we have a sustainable planet for the future. There's this whole thing she talked about Henry and Henry's generation coming up. Remember yeah. when she made the decision. So I think we're looking too much about this in terms of this being um, another enterprise, which just happens to be in and around Ambridge. This is very very different. It is very very different. And maybe 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 there is just about enough ecotourism you can do and letting um, farmers graze the odd cow there and whatever um, because you know they're going to eat more nutritional grass or whatever the heck that three of them (laughs) can just about scratch a living out of I you know maybe 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 anyway on that note I'm calling time on this section of Dumsy Dum because it's my birthday if you didn't know already uh, dear listener and I'm going to say Uh, You might hear an ad if you don't. Next you'll hear is our Millie Bell from Down Under. You should celebrate yourself every day. 
But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. G'day, everyone. Well, earlier in the week, we asked the question, who is the better manipulator, Robert or Linda? Martin van der Heuvel said it's a bit risky for Linda to bring up Debbie Reynolds, but it worked. Pip Duval said that was just charming to listen to. I think they're such a great couple. Royfield is dead right about them both. I just want to repeat that for Royfield. Pip Duval said Royfield is dead right about them both. <laughs> Stephen Bowden said Robert Skill in quietly enabling Linda to work through her conflicts and come to the conclusions that she was always going to. It's a sort of untangling process rather than manipulation. Uh, Claire Butler said, Linda, Linda's more than likely wanted to get involved. Robert, on the other hand, got forced into doing something he doesn't want to do. Uh, Jean Bell said, Linda got what she wanted and will be the puppet master to Robert, whilst Jed Robinson said, neither. The master manipulator is Justin. Good point. <laughs> Thank you, Jed. Now, I did a little bit of a poll because I know that Yoko Bear likes them and I thought, well, maybe I need to get into this polling bizzo. So I asked whether Helen and Lee would get lucky second time around. 35% of you said, you have to be kidding. And 65% of you said, I believe in love. Rob Williams says, it'll all go swimmingly until Lee says something thoughtless. Helen, I have a stabbing pain. (laughs) Linda Curtis says, of course she will. I think it'll be great. And Claire Asprey said, run, Lee, run. Stephen Bowden says, I think we know the answer now. And Maisie Jett said, ha, bye-bye, Helen. And Kate Lyle said, don't know, don't care. Now, whilst we're talking about Claire Asprey, I have posted up a link to her survey, which she's doing for the um, Academic Artists Conference next year. And I wasn't going to do it because I always feel like I'm the person who knows least about uh, the artists. But I did do it, and it was a lot of fun. And I knew more acronyms than I realised. So have a go at that, please. That is on our Facebook page. 
Uh, we've had a couple of uh, people post on our Facebook page this week, which has also been really lovely. It shows that people are getting involved, and we do appreciate that. We finally talked about poor Helen. First she gets pushed out of a car, and then she gets rejected, and her mother seems to be spending her inheritance. So we wondered how things would improve for her. Uh, Leslie Daly said perhaps she will have a talk with Elizabeth and realise that a talking therapy might help. Leslie, I'm going to take a punt here and guess that Witherspoon agrees with you. Uh, Claire Cadigan said completely predictable after she and Kirsty had got so worked up about the date. But I reckon they'll get together in the end. I suspect it's going to be um, a long will they, won't they. It's just like a... But with a happy ending for Helen a Christmas Day snog when he realises Leanne is boring and he finally Googles Helen or he bumps into Susan who tells him what Helen's been through. Uh, Sue Bridges says she's probably got echoes of a memory of the barman she thought was coming to the family Christmas dinner. That was an Aussie scoundrel. Now, I can't remember that at all. So that's had me puzzling, but I'm sure you're right, Sue. Um, Jane Bushen had said, I wish Lee would just Google her, but... A few people jumped in and said, actually, she's got a different name now, so probably wouldn't even come up. And I don't know that if um, I was going out with someone, I would Google them. Is that something people do? Uh, let us know. And Audrey Cameron said, I got distracted by the revelation that Helena goes to the same hairdresser as her grandmother. We started another conversation with lots of people saying uh, that they went to the same hairdressers as their mothers or fathers. And finally, we had a, a, we've got a great holiday snap-up uh, from Witherspoon. Uh, lovely you to get involved in that. He wants to know who will you be spending Christmas or Hanukkah or Christmasica, um, any of the holidays you want to celebrate with. Will you be hosting? Are you worrying about how to spend time with each side of the family? And I just wanted to um, give you one of the responses, which is from Anne Cross-Tuck, who said, we're hosting Christmas dinner for my family. I've just moved house and we are surrounded by packing cases and paint. And to complicate things for the next fortnight, we are staying 330 miles away. Oh, what have I done? And I still haven't found the kettle. So, hoping you are all going to be able to be a lot more organised than that. Uh, That's all from me for this week. Um, I will see you in a fortnight. And until then, I will leave leave you in the capable hands of my very good and very funny friend, Yoko Bear. So until then, hooroo. Oh, tatty bye, tatty bye, Millie Bell. Uh, how's your bladder loose? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little birthday card that says, I'm now the age where if I sneeze, I wee myself a little. Uh, I might be that age, but my bladder is still holding up quite strong. And I've never, such a thing has never befallen me, but I know. Try going on a trampoline. That'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shall we have some mirror headlines? Oh, yes. Um, This one was from Plymouth Live via Lovely With A Spoon, who said, Sex mad Dave the Duck has his penis removed after mating 30 times a day. And uh, this is from Deutsche Welle. Drunken raccoon staggers through German Christmas market and passes out. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and now, Liz. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, why don't we do tweets of the week? And then I've got some important shop news 
and then uh, we'll say goodbye because I got to edit this and then uh, enjoy the rest of my birthday. Okay, uh, Sally Ronaldson <coughs> referring to um, Helen's date with Lee in the cafe after she found out about Leanne. Uh, she said, "I bet Helen's feeling a bit of an arsehole in that ball gown now." <laughs> <laughs> You messaged me and said, Royfield messaged me, ladies and gentlemen, and said, I just pissed myself laughing when Helen found out about Leanne. (laughs) Which just goes to show what a rotter you are, Royfield. But it did make me laugh. Um, And you said, you, Royfield, and three quarters of Twitter. Everybody else was laughing. I know, (laughs) because... There was an outpouring of glee. Um, Dietrich song. Someone direct Russ to the Brookfield barn where he might find a prop which looks like a giant ass. Um, hinge Zandel. Meanwhile, the people at the Elms are waiting by the phone to see if Pat is still interested in volunteering at Christmas this year or if this is like Jill and Kirsty's short-lived Happy Friends Cafe obsession. At least that's <laughs> shut down. I don't think the Elms has shut down. Alison. Will Josh come back? Here's hoping. Not. Hashtag the Archers. And <laughs> li- uh, little Kim, tweet of the week. Wait, there's a maturing room at Bridge Farm? Why has no one thought of putting Tom in it? Very good. Hey, well done. Well done. <laughs> oh, I feel like this has been actually quite a good one. I actually had a point to say. Uh, oh, just, oh, it's just my normal Helen one. And, and actually, I'm just going to go all the way back. Because this was, it was a gentleman type person. Was it young Keith that basically said that she brings any, every, all bad luck, she brings it on herself. And I think um, we need to be slightly careful. It was a gentleman type person that said it. Yeah. So if it wasn't, if, yeah. if it wasn't young Keith, it was Drew. We need to be slightly be careful considering what the character has actually been through um, to say that. But, and I've said this on numerous times, uh, we have too much Helen. Though it has to be said in the last year, they've actually throttled back on the amount of Helen Archer that that they uh, inflict us with. Um, But, again, the very fact that a long-time listener could say such a thing just shows you the deafness of the writing, that even even through everything she's been through, we still just don't actually warm to her as a character. And she's fundamentally done nothing wrong. She's not a thief. She's not a liar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and neither is Shula, but it doesn't stop us wanting to throttle a woman, does oh, well, it? No, no, no. But, but it's even more stark with Helen because we don't have a well of sympathy for her considering she was brutalised by somebody for four years. Mm. Utterly brutalised. And we, we slightly just shrug our shoulders and go, oh, you know, God, the way she is with Lee. We all knew the reasons why she couldn't uh, give herself properly into the relationship with Lee, the reason why she's very stoppy, starty, et cetera, et cetera. We all knew those reasons. Even then we're just like, oh, God, he's just a nice guy. Just go for it, et cetera, et cetera. She's incredibly... Uh, she'd been incredibly damaged by that relationship with Rob. But even previous to that, she was um, a complex person who, on the one hand, projects some level of confidence, but is crippled by massive insecurities and actually mm. just wants to save people all the time. It was the same with her and her, her previous partner went off shooting his head off with with his shotgun, you know. So, you know, 
oh to be Helen Archer. But you know, somebody mm. can go through all of that. Yeah, yeah. And we still yeah. don't like her. So you go, you know, hat, hats <laughs> off, scriptwriters. What do we want, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, moving swiftly on, folks, um, there's been a little bit of an issue at the shop and there's a little bit of a thread on the Flick app, big shout out, go to everybody on the Flick app, um, about missing merchandise. It's always from the same supplier, I've now realised. Now, this supplier, um, I'm not going to tell you their name because I don't want people ringing them up, but what I'm going to do is what I have done is I've actually called them up. They're actually based in the UK, funny enough, and they've admitted uh, the fault. And basically what is happening is when people make their orders uh, for this specific T-shirt, and just so people know, there's about six or seven different suppliers of mugs and apparel, etc., on the website. So it's one specific T-shirt. But when you go and order it and it creates the order, it's not creating the order on the other end at the client's website. And this is not our fault. It's their fault. And they've admitted uh, liability in this. And I physically have called them up. Uh, and they said, oh, yeah, it's just a one-off glitch. It's not a one-off glitch because it's now happened for the third time. I am on it. I am on it. And I will sort this out. Uh, even if it means that I need to like go over to Blackpool and literally throttle them because it's making um, me look bad and Dundee Dum look bad. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so there are specifically two people out there who've made orders in October. I'm so sorry. I have called them up. I am on it. And I know that the one uh, listener who, I, when, when this first came, came to light, I called them up and they, and they said, Royfield, I will send this out to them um, next week. And that was a month ago. And I'm so sorry you still haven't got it. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to refund uh, the three people's money, but I'm still going to fight to go and get you these bloody T-shirts and stuff. And if nothing else... Um, as of today, I'm yanking them off the website anyway because I say it just makes us look bad. But I think everybody understands Lucy and I aren't sat anywhere printing up T-shirts. This is completely a third party. <laughs> Which is a really um, good job as I am so bad at that sort of thing. You wouldn't, <laughs> nobody would be spending any money on the website. But yeah, they, they did admit complete nutty liability. And he, when I drilled into it with them, they actually said, oh, yes, we can see the order is like in suspense or something like that. So it's going from our website. So you're paying for this through our website. The order went to them and it didn't go into the right fold or whatever. But when they looked into it, they said, oh, yes, we can see. Because it has an order number and the order number is generated by them, but it doesn't go onto their system. I'm going to yank them off the website. You're going to get a refund. But if you use www.dumdum.com and go to the shop, don't worry, you can purchase things on there. It's just these, this, this is one specific supplier. And by the time you go on there after hearing this, you won't be able to uh, even order from them again. So, so don't worry, you can use the shop. And it's ideal um, if you are in the UK uh, to go onto the shop just before Christmas because you know your loved one would like to be in a dum dum pair of pyjamas or a, a dum dum pair of briefs even, socks, you know, let alone T-shirt, cap, hat, or anything else which we can put dummy dum on. Um, all that stuff is on there. So if you need a stocking filler, go to dummy forward slash shop, get it now. And uh, 
will make somebody very happy at Christmas. Um, so that's dumdydum.com. Uh, also, oh, Maureen, you are wonderful. Just got to thank you again. And also we have had um, a couple of other uh, recurring donations. And I think in our next show, Lucy, we'll go mm. through the list of our Patreons and our okay. Facebook yeah. contributors and thank them uh, <clears throat> for their contributions, which help keep this show on the road. And of course, if you want to help out this podcast, you go on to patreon.com and you give us $2 per show. And um, you just help keep the lights on in Dumdy Dum Towers. And Over I Christmas. need to make some mm, apologies. Um, I just realised I was not following. I've just tried to do her survey and I've just realised I was not following Claire Asprey. Um, if I am not following you, it is because uh, so I use a Twitter thing. When I do social media for companies, I use a special Twitter thing. And sometimes if you post a lot of photos or a lot of graphics it unfollows you because it thinks that you are a um uh that you are a spam account or an instagram account which i don't want to follow so it I've, it's been set up like that so i apologize if i've inadvertently unfollowed any, anybody um it's not me it's it and claire Asprey was one of those people so i've just followed you now claire sorry there we are awesome right mm. uh, you know lots of apologies in this show I know. We're just mm. generally sorry for most things. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lucy, um, yeah. I'm going to keep stum. Why don't you just like read out all the other stuff that normally okay. I would read out and and then because it's my birthday. Are you having I a paragraph off because it's your birthday? Yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, I'm remember? here with a little, little glass of bubbles and I'm just going to sip on my Prosecco. Sit on your Prosecco. Oh, sip on your Prosecco. Sorry. Yeah. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice I wouldn't be advisable at all, Lucy. Not really, no. I thought it was... Can you imagine a, the, a, the, the shards of glass? I, I thought it was a rude word for bottom. Uh, remember <laughs> to get in... There he was, sat on his Prosecco, not doing anything. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. You can find Yokel Bear at Dumpty Dum, uh, where he is much funnier than us. Uh, Royfield is at Royfield, and I am at Lucy V. Freeman. And happy birthday, Royfield. Um, and you're not going to do Facebook because you never do Facebook. I must admit, I find it's one the of the most fascinating things about you, that you just refuse to acknowledge that Facebook even exists because you hate that platform so much. <laughs> <laughs> After five years, you're just like, I'm it's not going to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are odd, but I love you. Uh, there's some stuff that happens on Facebook, folks. You type in Dumdy Dum and, and, and you go and hit that uh, wonderful group on that same platform. All right, so you still made me work. Even though it's my birthday, Lucy. Yes. Mm. Right. Okay. Ah, so that, 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 that's it. Character forming. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's us just about done. And uh, I, I'm just going to go and retire now. I'm going to go and watch Watchmen for the second time. Because that was very good last, last night. And then, oh, Yes. I've been told this is not going to hit Sky Atlantic until January. But Mrs. Fletcher, watch that, folks. I've been watching it on on HBO. 
it is brilliant. Um, the premise is, goodness, it all sounds r- rather similar to, to Working Mums, which I was bigging up last week, but it is very, very different. It is um, a woman who's been divorced for some 10 years, uh, living with her teenage son. A teenage son then goes off to college for slash university and she realises there's not much going on in her life. And she goes on a little bit of a trip of physical and sexual awakening. It's a dramedy. It's it's very good, very clever. I'm sure it's going to chime with many a listener. Um, It is utterly brilliant. Um, very charming, lovely, uh, Mrs. Fletcher. It will be on Sky Atlantic in, in the UK in January. If you're in the States or in Canada, you can watch it on HBO now. It's very, very, very good. On that note, uh, as I said, I'm going to go and watch Watchmen, a bit of superhero action, chillax for an hour, and then I'm going to edit this Mama Jammer, get it up for the 10th of December, which then will not be my birthday. Bye-bye. Bye. 